Okay, we are going to continue our sermon sessions throughout the Gospel of John. And we are in chapter 4. And the section or portion of scriptures we will be looking at uh, is found from verses 46 uh, to uh, 54. 46 to 54. And we've been on a wonderful journey within the inspired literature since chapter 1, of course, revealing the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and his deistic presence, his divine nature, and uh, this new birth in which uh, uh, was uh, proclaimed. And we saw interaction with Christ, Jesus, and various individuals in various locations. And we saw Christ speaking to a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a man of prestige, of higher social status, a religious leader. And we also saw the Christ Jesus in interaction with a woman, a Samaritan woman. And uh, we saw how the new birth applied to all, not only the Jew, but the foreigner, that all could receive the grace and mercy of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And we've seen thus far how it seems, and true to the text, that the foreigner, or known as a Gentile or a pagan, the heathen, the Roman, the Greek, uh, more so embraced Jesus than his own people. And this, of course, true to the text revealed in chapter 1, that his own would not receive him. And so, with this here um, uh, session, we move our way to chapter 4 in the location after we had seen the um, uh, progress of the gospel through this Samaritan woman. And we move our way to healing a nobleman's son. Healing a nobleman's son and uh, the title to our sermon session, I wrote, A Progression of Faith. A Progression of Faith. And prior to verse 46, we see verse 43, 44, and 45. And I quote, it says, After the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. Remember, that is the direction of his path. We can read that in verse 3 of the same chapter. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. But within this time here, we saw two days uh, um, given to the uh, Samaritans. For Jesus himself, verse 44, testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Interesting proverb there being revealed by the pen of John, a man, of course, endowed by the outpouring power of the Holy Spirit, inspired. So when he came to Galilee, in verse 45, the Galileans received him, 
having seen all the things that he had uh, that he did okay connected to the reason why they received him this is important information the galileans received him having seen all the things that he did in jerusalem at the feast for they themselves also went to the feast you see the samaritans and the galileans are two different cultures and communities the samaritans are the foreigners right the non-jews they believed Jesus was the Messiah. That's genuine faith. But the Galileans, which are the sons of the kingdom, the Jews, his own people, only received Jesus for his signs and wonders. Superficial faith. Seeking more to be sensationalized or entertained, perhaps by what they could see outwardly through their eyes, but not so allowing themselves to soak in and receive as the Samaritans, his word, who he truly was. Why do we receive Jesus, right? For who he is, his word, chapter 1, verse 1, or simply because we find some form of vain fulfillment in the Christian religion, a superficial commitment. The challenge, of course, of the text, bringing forth our own lives and our faith, looking in the mirror, in whom we are as citizens of his kingdom. Are we participants? Are we interactive? Are we active in our faith? Or have we drifted off? Are we missing the mark? There's a difference between the two. And again, I do not think it to be a mistake that the penmanship of John writing this information seems to always reveal the point in which the foreigner is the one who is receiving Jesus for who he is. But the Jew, who should have been receiving Jesus for who he was, who he is, instead rejected that, but would find various idle reasons to watch him what is he going to do next what signs can he do for us so the text begins in verse 46 to our sermon session this day the lord's day therefore he came again to cana of galilee where he had made the water wine we remember that and there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. Whose son was sick at Capernaum. And though there are some similarities, we must understand this, between this account and that of the centurion. We remember the centurion's account. This year, royal official, most probable a Jew, was a servant in the court of King Herod. The centurion was a Gentile. Again, we're going to see this recorded account, this witnessed account written by John, who gives you these two paths. And it will be interesting to note the difference in faith between the centurion account and this royal official as we move forward in the text. Verse 47 
says, and I quote, When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. His son was at the point of death. Interesting again to verse 44. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Galilee. Galileans. Wherein you find Nazareth. Right? How so? They're receiving him. But for what reason? Well, they saw all the things he was doing. There's a difference in wanting to see what he can do and hear what he says, right? Interesting indeed. So when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him. And of course, imploring him, the idea behind the word is to continuously plead in desperation, right? This is not just a, hey, hey, hey if you have time, I don't want mean to... I don't want to be a, a problem here or anything or to uh, cause any. If you have time, you know, try to come over. My son would like to see you. You know, he's sick and everything. And that's not at all the case. Obviously, this here is a parental uh, uh, um, love and a uh, desperation uh, to have his son healed. So... Him and was imploring, this continuous pleading and desperation to come down. And of course, that has to do with geographical locations from on top of the hill to down. And heal his son. There's a purpose in which this here official is imploring the Christ. For he was at the point of death. That's why. You see, all attempts to heal his son had been extinguished. From his own contacts or his uh, entourage and the things that were available to him, all had been extinguished to no avail. His son was not healed. His son was dying. And now he sought hope in a man he heard could perform signs. So though this here uh, royal official uh, did not believe necessarily in whom Jesus was as the Messiah, the Son of God. He certainly believed to a certain degree in measurement that this man, among other men, could do things we can't. And there might be hope in his signs to have his son healed. So Jesus says to him in verse 48, interesting, interesting reply. Unless you people, you as collective, right? You people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. You won't do it. If you do not see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. And that's an interesting reply to what this man had requested, imploring, desperately so. Jesus did not say, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, this is an emergency. Let's go. Let's go to, let's get to it. Where, lead me to where your son is found. There's a greater thought and spiritual aspect to this text, this account. These Galileans, as a people, 
culture, community, only received Jesus as a man who could perform signs and wonders, but not as the Messiah, the living Son of God, His Word, living and active, capable of leading us to the forgiveness of our sins. There was a deficit, a cavity within the thinking mind of these Galileans, to whom again Christ would cite the proverb, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Sadly, this is the community that we experience as well in our current day and era of this East Coast culture. Our northern minds have grown dull, seeking Jesus, but in the image of our own desires and not of his word. Our people, our culture, they seek signs and wonders. And they seek to claim that and masquerade that as Christianity. But where is his word sought? And where is his word found? We Christians who belong to our master must assemble in his church for the purpose of his word, the truth. And Paul would say to Timothy, quoting now the scripture, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. For this reason, primarily, we seek ye first. Matthew 6.33 So the royal official said to Jesus in verse 49, Sir, Come down before my child dies. Desperation in a father's tone. In a father's tone, in a father's voice, in a father's plea. Please, sir, come down before my child dies. And this is interesting. When we put both recorded accounts one next to another, this here individual to the centurion and his case, this Jew and the centurion Gentile. You see, a difference between the centurion Gentile and this Jewish official, the centurion's faith was stronger, for he knew that the word of Jesus would suffice. Just say the word, and I know, I know life will return. This Jew sought to have Jesus in the presence of his son in order to receive the sign. Now it is still a faith, but we can see the reluctancy or the deficit a bit uh, or a, 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 a um, crack in the foundation, if you will. And then we ask the question to our faith, will the words of our master written in the Bible be enough? Or do we seek more of him? Sir, come down before my child dies. One, he believes that Jesus must be there with him. His word would not suffice. I need him in the presence of my son. Number two, it has to happen before my son dies. So my faith is not strong enough to believe that Jesus can raise him from the dead. Oh, you see, there's a difference in this account.
but there is a progression in the faith that will take place, hence the title to our session. Jesus said to him in verse 50, Go, your son lives. Which is interesting language. It's not your son is healed. He says your son lives. And there is indeed a commandment. Go, an active form in which this here recipient of the word must apply in his life. Okay, go. Your son lives. The man, verse 50, believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. The man's faith grew in the presence of the Christ. Enough so that he took the word given and believed it without imploring him further to come down and see his son. That is indeed um, a challenging mirror for us to look into regarding our faith. At times we seek something more than the word to confirm that it is true. Well, if God wants me to do this or if God, a request of sorts in prayer, we tend to seek more than the word has already offered, which should suffice. Sometimes we seek some sign when all signs have already been delivered and given and written. So as he was now going down in verse 51, his slaves, meaning his servants, met him, saying to him that his son was living. My son is going to die. He is desperate. He has belief. But his faith is not strong at the moment in which he is pleading, pleading with Christ. But growth within that faith takes place. Progressive. Progression in the gospel takes place. And now, life. Life restored. Interesting. From certain death, the word of Christ made this person alive again. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For life comes through the living and enduring word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 along with a few other verses from Romans. So he inquired of them in verse 52 the hour when he began to get better. He needs to put it together. He needs to put this puzzle together. Was it really this man named Jesus? I need to know the time. An investigation of sorts. I need to investigate this account. Was it Jesus? If so, the time would align itself, right? Well, of course. Then they said to him, in verse 52, Yesterday... At the seventh hour, the fever left him. Has to be Jesus. Well, of course it's Jesus. His word is truth. Thy word is truth. And it has the power to heal, to instruct us, 
on the right path. So the father knew, verse 53, that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. His concerns washed away. His belief strong, stronger now than it was at the beginning. And he himself believed, it says, in his whole household. See that? There is a faith that came to the minds of the Samaritans when the Samaritan woman, because of the word of, uh, that, that she spoke, but greater independence and faith came when they were able to hear the word of our Lord and Master and believe that word. Here for this Galilean account, it's interesting. This process, this progress, led to a genuine belief for he and his whole household. From superficial faith to genuine faith, a progression of faith took place in the life of this man and his family. And it came about through the word of Christ. And for us this day, living millennia after the cross, his word, in other words, the Holy Bible, remains the sole source in which we receive our faith. And we be wise to humble ourselves to this reality. For most among us in our people, our culture, they seek something more than the Bible. The equivalent of saying to Christ, we need something more than you. We seek for signs and wonders. Signs which point to something greater. Wonders, the moment of awe to what they are seeing. Interesting indeed. Interesting indeed. The word of God so plainly speaks of the new birth. And this is the message and theme in which, of course, we've been going through. In the day in which, of course, John was writing, there were all sorts of erroneous ideologies and theories, eloquent speakers, trying to sway the mind uh, away from the truth. And of course, the text finishes off the chapter saying, this is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. The Holy Scriptures are written quite plainly on the plan of salvation and the moment in which a individual who qualifies can be born again out of water and the spirit the scriptures speak so plainly about the church which belongs to jesus and that is that church we are to be born again into a spiritual house not built by the hands of men which was established in the first century when the apostles miraculously endowed by the Holy Spirit, rose among the people and proclaimed the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Messiah. And those who warmly received the word, because we have to remember that the apostles were governed into all truth. The words they spoke were the words of God, governed by God, the Holy Spirit. 
and all recipients who warmly receive the word, not the miracles, not the signs, not the wonders, the words, they believed and they received and they qualified to the new birth, to be born again, calling on his name, for therein is the power. And they were instructed in the pattern, in proper righteous way to worship God as legal citizens of his kingdom now. And the information of this book is indeed clear for all independent, accountable souls who have the intellectual capability to open this book and read or hear the word proclaimed. Why do we seek something more? No signs will be given. No signs will be given. For all who seek something more, nothing will be given more. We have the perfect law of liberty. That which is perfect has come, and we have it, the 66 books of the Holy Spirit. The only sign that will be given is repentance. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here and now. The church which belongs to Jesus Christ is here and now. It was established in the first century prior to any man-made formula to create Christianity in their own image. We go back to the beginning in Jerusalem in the first century and we follow the instructions of this holy book, the word of Christ. And that is enough. That is complete. That is perfect. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be damned. Those words mean exactly what they say. They meant it back then, they mean it now, and we don't seek anything more. We do not need to seek visions, dreams, religious experiences, falsehoods and deceptions, misguided spirits masquerading themselves as holy or righteous. We do not follow the lead of this dying world. We go to the word of the Christ, and our faith will progress, will grow. Isn't that good? For all who seek this new birth, and who simply seek to follow the word of Christ that is available at all times, always, while you have life on this earth. Time to conclude and have ourselves a song. When the master makes the final call And you have to leave this earthly ball Well, where are you going to hide on that great day? Will you hear the Lord say, come well done Or into the mountains will you run? Well, where are you going to hide on that great day? The earthquake rocks the world. world. Where, oh, where are you gonna hide when the sun from space is hurled? Where, oh, where are you gonna hide when all things have passed away? Say, where, oh, where are you gonna hide?